There are times when insisting on being right can be the wrong way to go. Times when we may win the argument but lose the larger issue and and most importantly we may lose the person. And I'm talking about Christmas. Uh, let me illustrate by asking three questions uh, with one follow-up question. Uh, question one. Uh, was Jesus born on December 25th? Uh, question number two. Were there three wise men? Uh, question number three. Does it matter that Jesus came into this world that God became flesh? Now, you might be thinking, well, those questions are, are not the same kind of questions. Uh, two of them are different than the one. And that's the whole point I'm trying to illustrate. Uh, is December 25th, our Lord's birthday, on the calendar, is that accurate biblically? Well, no. But does it matter? Were the three wise men? Well, there was myrrh and frankincense and gold. There were three gifts. There are wise men. Uh, were there are three wise men, the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't matter. Does it matter that Jesus came into this world as Emmanuel, God with us? Well, of course it matters. And once again, that's, that's my point. Sometimes we get so caught up in arguing the trivial that we lose sight of the monumental, the important. Sometimes in our attempts to be right about these smaller matters of trivia, and you say, well, they're not trivial. Well, they are because I'll tell you why. Does your salvation depend on you knowing what day he was born? Does my salvation depend upon my knowing the number of wise men? Well, no. Does all of our situations eternally depend upon the fact that Jesus came into this world? Well, absolutely. And that's what matters most. This is a time of year when so many have their minds turned to something they don't think about during the rest of the year. And we might say, well, they should, but, but they don't. Well, they ought to, but, but they don't. But they do. This one time of year, their attention is focused, so many of them, on Jesus, the Christ, the fact he came. And when we should be expanding on that, encouraging that, celebrating that, instead... Well, you got the number of wise men wrong. And we wonder why they walk away from the conversation. No better for it. Again, we need to major in the majors and minor, if at all, in the minors. And to that third question, does it matter that God became flesh, that Jesus came and lived among us? The answer is absolutely yes. Centuries before our Lord came. The Messianic prophet Isaiah had said, 
a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, Isaiah 7, 14. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall rest upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That from Isaiah 9 and verse 6. And some hundreds of years later, those prescient prophecies played out in the life of Jesus Christ as he came and lived among us as Emmanuel, God with us, born of the virgin, here living a life of perfection and sinlessness, showing us the way we should be living and dying as the perfect sacrifice for our sins, giving us something we could never have otherwise. Now, something else about this time of year. There's the food, of course, and there's sometimes the family and family gatherings. There's the gifts. But also there are the Christmas movies. And usually during this time of year, somebody will ask, what's your favorite Christmas movie? And it may be different for a lot of people, but most people say, well, on the list is, it's a wonderful life. And we're not going to be talking about it's a wonderful life this morning, and so don't worry about that. Except to say, the whole point of the movie is, what would the world have been like in the absence of one man? the character that Jimmy Stewart played. If he had never lived, how the world would have been a different place. And so I wonder, what would this world look like if, if God had not become flesh? If Jesus had never lived among us? What would this world be like? There are some things that Jesus and only Jesus provides. The most obvious is salvation. Peter will say in Acts 4 and verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That is the definition of the word unique, one of a kind, none other. If you want salvation, you look anywhere but Jesus, you're not going to find it. Jesus himself said in John 14, 6, I, he says, this is Jesus speaking, remember, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes into the Father but by me. Well, if you want to describe what salvation looks like, it's that means by which our sins are taken away and we are able to be then with the Father. Our relationship with the Father has been changed forever because of our sins. Those sins now being gone, we can be with the Father. And Jesus says, no man comes to the Father but by me. Again, the definition of the word unique, one of a kind, none other. And so if Jesus had not come, there would be no salvation. And keep in mind, we're talking about a universal need. You may know good people, but you don't know any sinless people. You may be married to somebody that thinks they're a sinless person, but they're not. You may have somebody in your family or somebody across the street that acts as if they've never committed sin, but they have. 
The Bible says there is none righteous. No, not one. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That from Romans 3 and 10 and again verse 23. We're all guilty of sin and thus all in need of salvation. To have those sins expunged from our record where God no longer holds them against us so we can be with him our sins now having been taken away. And Christ is the only means by which that happens. Not one of several. Not one of a few. Not even one of a couple. He is the only solution for the sin problem. The new birth takes place because of what Christ has provided for us. The, the new beginning of a Christian life, a new creation, happens because of what Christ has provided for us. As one believes in Christ as God's Son, determines to walk away in their mind and life from sin and repentance. Confess their faith in Christ before men, as the Bible teaches, and submit to baptism. They're having their sins washed away, not by the water, but by Christ's blood. As that happens, you have salvation coming and coming only by the person of Jesus Christ, by his sacrifice. And then as Christians, as we continue our lives, doing our best but failing so often, we have our sins continually cleansed by the blood of Jesus as we walk in the light. Long story short, if we find ourselves in heaven one day, and I hope all of us do, it'll be because of one thing and one thing only, Jesus died for us. If Jesus had not come, there would be no salvation. Now, alongside that, there are other words used which, which we so desperately need to think about. Uh, words like, like hope and help and strength as we go about our daily lives. If you haven't noticed already, you will soon. You can't do this thing by yourself. Life has its problems. There are pitfalls to life. All of life is not a bed of roses. And oh, imagine getting through the dark days without the help of the Lord. I honestly don't know how people without Christ can deal with some things they deal with without the help of the Lord. Even before Jesus, God helped his people and gave the 23rd Psalm through David, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He's always been a good help in time of trouble. But especially now in Christ Jesus, we have God in the flesh knowing how we feel, seeing from the inside out, from our eyes outward what it looks like and inside feels like to be a person facing problems. And because of that, he mediates for us before the Father. He intercedes for us to the Father. And he gives us strength day by day just as we need it. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Philippians 4 and 13. And yes, I know that's about contentment, but the principle is broader. Christians are strengthened by the strength of Jesus Christ. Uh, some things in life, we're not, just, we're not strong enough by ourselves to deal with them. 
We haven't been made tough enough to deal with them. We haven't got the greater gumption to deal with them. But Jesus Christ gives us strength when we lack strength. And he gives us help. Remember as he told his apostles, sending them out with a great commission in Matthew's account, in Matthew 28, the last chapter of that book, encouraging them to go and make disciples of all the nations, to baptize them and to teach them all he had taught them. He then promises, and lo, I'm with you. He tells them, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world or the end of this age. And yes, I know that was a promise of him to them about that. But again, the principle is broader than just them and then. For everything good we need to be doing, he gives us the help to be with us. And tells us, as it were, I'm with you always. We're not in this thing by ourselves. And yes, we have hope. Colossians 1, 27, Christ in you, the hope of glory. As one translation says, the only hope of glory. So all the strength we need, we have in Christ. All the help we need, we have in Christ. All the hope we need, we have in Christ. But you take Christ away if he never had come. Well, we find ourselves in the position of Paul as he writes 1 Corinthians 15. He's talking about the resurrection, the life to come, all the joys that come to us in Christ. And he says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we're of all men most miserable, most to be pitied. If you take Christ out and the blessings we have in Christ out of the equation, if you see a life without Jesus, you've got no reason to live. Nothing but misery and discouragement and disappointment. And you might think, that's my life right now. <laughs> the good news is, in Christ you can move past that. Because he will strengthen you. He will help you. He will give you hope. And so yes, we have salvation only in Christ. We have strength and help and hope only in Christ. But let me back up just a second and take a broader view of everybody, everything, everywhere. And ask again the question, what would this old world look like if Jesus had never come? Do you realize that so much of the world that has no interest in Jesus still enjoys the benefits of the teachings he gave, the example he showed, the person he was while here. There would be no justice in the judicial system if we hadn't learned from the principles of Jesus Christ. Uh, there would be no civil discourse or civil behavior amongst us if Jesus had not given us the example he gave. We've got the benefits we have in personal relationships, in marriage, in family, in the worth of both genders because of what Jesus taught us, the person he was. The best of every civilized nation is what it is 
Even if they deny Christ, the best of what they have become is because of his example, his teaching, his principles. You remove those, what do you have? You had the chaos the world was in before he came. And it was a world in chaos. So different was the world afterward than before. Then all of history has divided itself up to B.C. before Christ. A.D., Anno Domini, the year of our Lord. And interestingly enough, the last several years, uh, the scholars moving away from God, moving apart from Christ, have changed those designations. But oddly enough, they can change what the designations mean, but the time stays the same. It revolves around the lifetime of one man, the God-man, Emmanuel. That one time when God became man, dwelt among us, and forevermore changed everything. You take Christ out of the world. You live in a world where Christ never came. And you don't want to see it. I know we're doing our best to get there. But you don't want to see it. We need Christ. The world needs the gospel. And the church, oh, the church needs more of Christ. One of my favorite preachers growing up was Brother John Bannister. Years ago, he preached at a congregation in Dallas, Texas, which the Skillman Drive Avenue congregation then was the largest congregation in the Brotherhood. But he was just a down-to-earth, good, and godly man whose preaching I so enjoyed listening to. But uh, he wrote a really short snippet of an article one time. It was entitled, What We Need. And he simply said this. He said, what, what the church needs is not a bigger budget, not bigger buildings, not more elaborate programs, not busier schedules, not more business meetings. What the church needs is more of Christ. That was true when he wrote it. It was true before he wrote it, and it's especially true now. The church needs more of Christ. So this time of year and every time of year, let's be thankful that Jesus came that we enjoy the benefits of his coming and let's do our best to live up to everything he's provided for us. Perhaps you're here this morning and you're not a Christian. What a wonderful time it would be to obey the Lord in gospel obedience, become a Christian as we've discussed, discovered and discussed already. And in this year and begin a new one as a new creation in Christ, enjoying the blessings of the salvation only Christ can provide. Or perhaps as a child of God, you, for one reason or another, on purpose or incidentally, you walked away, found yourself removed from Christ, the one whose name you wear, and need to come back and ask his forgiveness, the prayers of the church. If you need to come, what better time than now to do so and come as together we stand and sing.